Welcome to another edition of Maverick University. I'm your host, David Hallberg. Joining me today is Pastor John Che. Pastor Che is a pastor of Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, and you can check out our previous conversation with Pastor Che on YouTube or any of the audio-only podcasting platforms. And so thank you so much for joining us again, Pastor Che. In our previous episode, we talked a little bit about uh, your personal story, Mm -hmm. having grown up in a Christian home, uh, to where you are today as a pastor, and talked about Christian influences on a young person's life. Uh, but we're going to go back into your story again, and we're going to focus on a per, you know few key transitions in uh, your life. Okay. Obviously, spending time in a youth group, mm-hmm. and then going to Bible college, and then becoming a youth pastor of a youth group, yeah. um, and how that change of perspective might have taught you some things mm-hmm. where you know a 16-year-old John should have known some things, and if only he had, it would have saved him some grief and trouble or uh, would have made life a little bit easier. Sure. But then again, you've got another transition from youth pastor to pastor, Mm -hmm. and you've got that, man, I wish youth pastor John Mm -hmm. knew what pastor John knows today. And so that's what we're going to focus on. And so you can talk a little bit about this story and maybe, you know, give us some examples of these things, but we're going to be focusing on the lessons that you learned there. So talk a little bit about... Um, your experience in a youth group, mm-hmm. um, and you know, then transition then into that youth pastor, and you know, maybe some realizations and some lessons you learned. So, Northwest had, I would say, a unique youth group in the fact of its it was so big, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm noticing just going around and um, in ministry, not not a lot of youth groups have that type of size to them, right? Sure. Um, and with size comes, I, I would say clicks, you know? Oh yeah. And, uh, it's now, a youth group within a youth group. Yeah. Yeah. And I had my little click, right? I had my group of people that I hung out with. And unfortunately for me, it was, um, it was a trouble group, um, because that's what I was looking for. And when a teenager wants to find trouble, he'll, he'll find trouble every time. Um, so, but it was not my youth pastor's fault. I will say that. Sure. And, and, and it's not the youth pastor's fault when, when that happens. I mean, you mentioned things that I wish I would have known when I was a teenager. It's, it's more things that I would have known if I just would have listened. Right. Mm. Um, if I just would have listened to my youth pastor and my, and my preacher and my parents, who told me, no, don't be around those people and watch out for that and watch out for this ideology in this direction, I, I would have known all the things that now I'm looking back and saying, huh, I wish I would have known. I have no situation where I can go back and say, I wish someone would have taught me that. Every situation is somebody was teaching me that and I just chose not to listen. Hmm. Uh, and that has translated into my youth pastorship all these things when I was a teenager that I thought was just noise. Like, oh yeah, the youth pastor has to say things like that. You know, watch your friends and be careful about this and be careful about like that. It's part of the script. Yeah, 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 it's just that's what they're supposed to do. You know, that's his job. He wouldn't be doing his job. Now I am seeing how critical it is. And what I am trying, what I try to do as a youth pastor is how do I teach those lessons? How do I get those lessons through Thick skulls, because you have, you have wise teenagers. You do. Um, you were a wise teenager. If you're telling me in in your sophomore year in high school, you're already looking ten years ahead and thinking about marriage and your degree. That never crossed my mind in 
in high school, <laughs> you know. Um, Maybe a little unusual, I suppose. Yeah, so, you know, I'm sure yeah. there are plenty of teenagers that are very, very wise. You had uh, foolish teenagers like me who knew what is right, but they just wanted to do what's wrong. You have scorners who know what's right, they want to do what's wrong, and they want to get other people to do what's wrong with them. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times they're just simple-minded kids. They, they really don't know what's right. They don't know what's wrong. They're just kind of along for the ride. Uh, and they need, it, it doesn't take much for them to say, hey, this is right and this is wrong. And then, oh, okay, you know, and a simple-minded person could easily become wise if they just listen. Um, but when you have a, a hard-headed kid like me, a fool, the Bible calls him, how do you get that into uh, their mind? Um, and I had to take that with me into my youth pastorship. Uh, and what I noticed is, um, you know, what the Bible says, smite a scorner and the simple will beware. Mm -hmm. uh, I had some scorners in my youth group right away. And I remember reading some books of, um, you know, written by youth pastors. And they're like, you know, you just have to wait until those graduate out and then you can start over fresh again. And I'm thinking, wait a second, these troublemakers that I have in my youth group are like ninth grade, graduate out. That's... Yeah. Four years from now, that's four lost years. Yeah, and these are people too. Yeah. You know, um, so I just started preaching really, really hard. And um, our, our room that we had had a little emergency exit door. And when you open that door, there's a church right outside that you can see. And it's, it's, you know, it's a social gathering is what it is. Okay. It's, an, an in, it's an entertainment center. And I remember telling my teenagers one day, like, as long as you are in this youth group, you will be held to a higher standard. Uh, nobody is making you come. If your parents are making you come, thank the Lord for it, that you have a parent who loves you enough to make you go to church. But I opened that door and I pointed at that church. I said, if you want to live however you want, and if you want to make the same mistakes that I did as a teenager, and I, I told them the mistakes that I made. I was very open and honest mm -hmm. with them. Uh, <laughs> I pointed at that church. I said, you can go to that church right there. Said, but if you're going to be here, we're going to hold you to a higher standard. Um, and that is what, and, and I think I talked about it in the last uh, podcast, that is what got through to me. Somebody who challenged me because a teenager knows what is right. Mm -hmm. I knew what was right in my rebellious stage. I just didn't want it. I wanted what was wrong. I never thought, oh, wrong is right and right is wrong. I I never thought that. I knew what was right. And I so knew you what didn't was need wrong. teaching. You needed a two-by-four. Yes. Yes, okay. I did. And that two-by-four came psychologically yeah. with, with a challenge. It was almost like reverse psychology. Um, so you know, when people would come up and say, like, oh, okay, so I guess you just think living for the Lord is too hard. Okay, well, if you want an easy life, then, then go ahead. This isn't about... Mm -hmm. uh, satisfying the flesh. This is about pleasing the Lord. Do you want to please the Lord or not? And every teenager, of course I want to please the Lord. Yeah. You know, well, then come on, kid, please the Lord. Um, and so that challenging is what I needed. I, I see too many, and not so much in our circles, but with youth, it's this whole, um, oh, these, these young people are just, they just have a bad rep. And so we just need to show them the love of Christ. And yeah, of course the Lord loves them. And of course there's grace to help in time of need. But I think teenagers need to be challenged. I think they want to be challenged. Somebody to look at them and say, you know what's right. You just need to do it. Mm -hmm. Make that decision. Come to that decision earlier than I did uh, as a sophomore year in college. Because, oh, that was wasted time. Um, if a youth pastor can get 
one of their teenagers to come to that point of decision at, at a sophomore year in high school, I think they're doing what's right. And it's not gonna it's not gonna come through coddling them and, and, and all of that. Be patient, sure. But point them in the right direction and challenge them. That's what teenagers need. I liked what you said earlier on. You just went through the personalities that you find in the book of Proverbs. Mm -hmm. You know, the simple, the scorner, the fool, the wise. Um, and it's, I think what you're trying to say, it's imperative for a youth pastor to identify who in the world he's dealing with. Yes. We talked about in the last podcast, you deal with every child of yours differently because they have different personalities. Well, every kid in your youth group is a personality and is different and mm -hmm. You would deal with a simple one mm -hmm. differently than you would deal with that scorner, mm -hmm. you know? And that simple one, you're trying to keep them from being sucked in Correct. to the scorner's nonsense. Correct. Yeah. And sometimes how you deal with the simple is by dealing with the scorner. Like you said. Yep. And how you deal with the foolish kid is by dealing with the wise kid. Mm -hmm. um, because I remember uh, Doc J, my youth pastor growing up, one thing he was really good at was he would give... Um, I wouldn't say s special attention sounds wrong. It's not that he was playing favorites. He wasn't. But he would give special attention to the kids who wanted to do what's right. Mm -hmm. And I wanted that attention from the, from the youth pastor. And I wanted, to, I wanted my youth pastor to have a relationship with me. And I wanted to have a relationship with my youth pastor. Because once mm -hmm. again, as a teenager, I knew that that was right. You should be close to your parents and you should be close to your youth pastor and your teachers. If you're not, it's not because they're, they never pushed me away. I had to come to the conclusion I was pushing them away. And I was with, with my rebellion. Mm -hmm. um, so he dealt with um, the wise kids in a certain way. He dealt with the foolish kids in a certain way. Never by giving up on them, but by um, you know, dealing with them in, in a biblical way. And then there were scorners and there were simple people. So yeah, that was one thing that I needed to learn. And it's, it's, when I look back being a youth pastor, it's like, oh yeah, I did learn that almost just through subconscious being yeah. in that Christian, Christian environment, uh, and being able to apply that was very, very helpful. Well, yeah. Um, and so now as a pastor, you're transitioned to a new role mm -hmm. and you're looking at your role as a youth pastor in the rearview mirror and keep in, and keeping in mind that, you know, the youth pastor doesn't replace the pastor. As no. a pastor, you're still dealing with the youth. You mm -hmm. still address that. Mm -hmm. um, but are there some, is there a fresh perspective you find now? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I remember <clears throat> coming to the realization, youth pastor isn't a title in the Bible. Yeah. Um, I was a deacon is really what I was. I was kind of like a paid deacon. So my job was to make the pastor's life easier, to lift up his arms. That is how I tried to approach my youth pastorship. That being said, I was still so blind to what is constantly on a pastor's shoulders, uh, the things that he sees. Mm -hmm. I would come up to him and, hey, I want to do this with the youth group. And it was a great idea. And he would even admit it like, yeah, yeah, that's a really good idea, but we're not going to do it. And I, why? But it's because I had this view in my mind and he had this view sure. that just came with being a pastor. So I wish I had known that looking back now, like, oh, that's why. And man, I must have drove him nuts by constantly <laughs> doing that and constantly asking for this. Um, but there, there needed to be that balance. He was focusing on the church as a whole and I was focusing on that next generation. Mm -hmm. um, and, hey, doing this could 
help encourage the teenagers in this way and in that way. And I would always bring my ideas to him. Sometimes he would uh, shoot them down. Sometimes he would adapt them a little bit. Um, but <clears throat> it, I wish I didn't get so, I wish I didn't question so much, you know, like, why would he not do that? And why would he not want to do that? Now that I've gotten into the position, I can, I see it. Mm-hmm. It's like when you, when you're growing up and you look at your parents and, and you're like, I, I don't understand. You know, when I'm a parent, I'll never do that. <laughs> and then you have your first child and you just look at them and you're like, oh, okay, now I see why mom and dad did all of that. Yeah. It just kind of comes with the, with the calling and, and with the position. Um, there's a lot of things I wish I knew as a youth pastor. Mainly, I wish I did more to take things off of his plate. I feel like I added way too much to his plate. Um, and I, I should have done better. I should have done better with that. Uh, some of the things just came with it. I had to add to his plate because I was watching for the teenagers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of things I could have done um, in how I approached my meetings with him mm-hmm. and how I approached ideas with him, being more understanding, being more flexible. Um, how I approached the parents where I could have, I think, eased his burden a little bit rather than maybe... So when you say approaching the pastor, approaching the parents, approaching the teenagers, you're talking about just your communication style with Mm -hmm. them, how Mm -hmm. you started a conversation, how you prefaced it, how you addressed a particular problem or an issue? Sure. So as far as approaching him, right, with me, it was just, oh, I've got this idea for an activity or for a series that I want to do, and I would just go in there all gung-ho and, hey, this is what I want to do. And so he, as a pastor, if he sees big picture, why that may not work perfectly. I've just put him in a difficult position because he sees his assistant, his youth pastor, mm-hmm. who's very excited. And now he almost has to be the bad guy, if you will, and say, sure. no, no, we're not going to do that. And as a pastor, maybe his reasoning for not doing that is because of a private conversation he's had with one of the parents or because of something that he would never share Mm -hmm. because it's not my business to know as a youth pastor. So it puts him in a position just to have to say no. And he just leave it at that. Yeah. And he knows that, okay, so now my youth pastor is going to go home and he's going to question and he's going to wonder why. And it makes me look bad, but no, it's just no. So instead of asking a yes or no question, you can make it multiple choice. I would go in there and say, look, this is an idea that I have. How would you approach it? How would he approach it with his ministry philosophy and with him knowing all the pieces on the chessboard? Okay. If this is the goal that I wish to accomplish, see, and, and that's what every activity that you have, every lesson that you teach with a teenager, every approach that you have should be leading towards a goal. So rather than, hey, this is my activity to reach this goal, I would go up to him and say, this is the goal that I wish. How would, how would we reach that? So you take it from a yes or no question about approving what something you want to do, mm-hmm. and you change it into an essay question where you say, here's my result that I would like. Mm-hmm. Here are a few ideas that I think might help with sure. that. Do you have any input? Exactly. And he would be able to see big picture and give him time. Don't just expect to knock on his door and sit down and expect an answer five minutes later. Um, Some of them were really big questions and big ideas. I wish I would have gone up to him with that approach and say, 
just take a week if you need to and, and pray about it and just let me know. Mm -hmm. Never tell your teenagers, this is what I'm thinking and I'm going to go and talk to the pastor because then yeah. if you come up and say, no, we're not going to do it, then the teenagers are like, oh, the youth pastor wanted to do it and it sounded really fun, mm -hmm. but the pastor said no. So then there's that disconnect. So yeah, you'd be do disloyal without even trying to be necessary. Exactly. I wish I knew more of that. Um, so maybe that can be a help to somebody. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, uh, Pastor Che, talking to us about you know that transition that you've lived through mm -hmm. and some lessons you've learned. And so no doubt this is going to be a help to some teenagers. Uh, it's going to be a help to some youth pastors, some practical church ed type of lessons you've given us. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to check out our other conversation with uh, Pastor Che, uh, talking about his personal testimony, you can uh, check out our collection of videos on YouTube or our other episodes on the podcasting platforms. And then you can also see our future conversation with Pastor Che as well, which will be released soon. Hope you have a good day.